All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bad giveaway there by Chicago. Well, Zanorov was busy bitching at the referee because he thought he got high-sticked, hooked, and... Whatever else is going on. <laughs> Not a popular call. If your girl weren't so darn smart, you wouldn't have a problem, Rick. Yeah, this is my dad. He used to play pro hockey. Fucking right I did. Oh, we're at Yale? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. We are into December, well on our way to the holiday season. Ryan Pinder alongside Jay Rose Hill here in the Department of Discipline. How many Christmas parties? How are we doing? You keeping track? What's going on? Ooh, I did my first one this weekend. It went interestingly. Okay, so you're out in the country or in the city? Pants a picture here. Out in the country, yeah. shop party, brother's farm. <laughs> brought a certain amount of uh, drinks with me to make sure I was rationing properly. Didn't touch them. Keg was there unexpectedly. Wow. Could not stop tapping that thing. And uh, the night got away from me in a hurry. But lessons learned. Growing. We're always growing. Just, you know what? Life is just a chance to learn every day, Jay. We're going to teach some things. You especially. You're going to run a clinic today for NHLers on a a forgotten art. But first, I want to hear about your new present that you got yourself. Because obviously the shopping season is jewelry for the wife, hockey gear for the kids. Maybe it's a video gaming system, whatever it is. You got yourself a new tooth. New mouth. I think this is our first episode. Post-dental surgery. So if I'm slurring myself during this episode, you'll know why. I've got a whole mouth. I got about five fake teeth. I took a slap shot to the mouth, smashed a bunch of stuff up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When, when and where was that? This is my second game over in the UK. Oh, at the end. God damn it. And second game. It's like my first week there. My wife's yeah. not even there. And they put me net front on the power play. Believe this or not. Oh. And game one, we're in Belfast. This player on my team, he's very skilled. And he's on the power play. And he says, I need someone to stand in front of the net. No one's willing to do it. Well, screen, right? I'm standing there. I'm being big. This guy comes over the top of the circle, winds up big clapper. I'm as big as I can be. Boom, off the inside of my knee, goal. He comes up. He goes, you are going to get so many points this year if you just stand there and do that. Confidence is high. Oh, yeah. Power play one, dad. Next night, <laughs> home and home. Belfast is in uh, in is in Glasgow. Exact same play. Bertie Levitt's coming up the top of the circle. I'm licking my lips going, same thing, baby. Get big. Winds up a clapper and I eat it. Oh. And I mean, I eat it. And I gather myself up on my skates, start skating to the bench. I'm licking around. I'm going, all I feel are broken teeth and meat in my mouth. A mouthful of that. I go to the bench. As I'm going to the bench, I go by their bench and I kind of look at them and they all go, oh, (laughs) 
I hang a hard right. I go, well, I guess I'm going to the locker room. I go in there. I got teeth everywhere, cuts everywhere. My palate's broken and pushed in. So <sighs> all kinds of work to be done after that. And they kind of did it over the next year and a half. But one of the teeth we tried to save wasn't working out. So last week I got that taken out and I put in an implant. And now I got another one of these oh little flippies for a couple more months i thought i was done with these it's a good party trick actually things get a little boring you just throw that in the cocktail glass see how long it takes girls love to see that at the bottom of their glass after the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's been done before oh, rude oh and you know what like it wasn't in the rundown today but it reminded me uh chris tanev is a name that a lot of nhl teams are talking about he's a ufa this summer He's an excellent stay-at-home defenseman, one of the better defensive defensemen by all the metrics. And if you start looking around at stats, a guy that is phenomenal at suppressing chances in his own end. Offensively, nothing to write home about. Kind of like you in the power play. Like maybe not the best fan. There you go. Outside of England there. Uh, or the UK. He took a shot off the face. I saw that. Right off what I believe would be like the jaw. And it was like, okay, well that's the thing about Chris Tanev is availability is part of it. And he's missed a ton of games his whole career ever since coming out of us college and playing with the Canucks, then signing in Calgary with free agency. Like, man, did Craig Connery just lose a massive trade chip? Did the Toronto Maple Leafs just lose the second pair of defense when they're going to add at the deadline? Any <laughs> contenders like, Oh no, that was a guy I wanted in March when the deadline comes day off the next day. So you're like, okay, well practices after the off day doesn't miss a game scores first period of the next game. Beautiful. Guess how hard it is to find guys like that these days? Almost impossible. Impossible. Yeah. And I'm not saying go out and lay down in front of a shot with your face. Though I watched him blog. I'm like, how do you get hit in the face? Technique wasn't superb. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd rather fight three times in a game than lay down yeah. like that to block a shot. And, I mean, it's one thing to slide legs first and try to get it that way and whatever. To just lay down and, oh, man, that takes some balls and then also some toughness to get one in the face and just say, yeah, screw it. I'm good to go. I'll still play. Didn't have a big bubble on. Didn't have anything on. Wild. Just wild. One of the play through pain threshold champions of the NHL. And there's a bunch, you know, it's what you need. You start talking about eating slap shots. We have to revisit that. I think the plan would be bubble wrap him till March and sell him to the highest bidder. So he could be coming to an NHL team near you. Everyone can use another second pair of stay at home defenseman at the deadline. Can't they? Well, I do a little looking around for the Toronto Maple Leafs, pay attention yeah. to them, and lordy, lordy, are they looking for someone yeah. like that. So uh, I think everyone's really trying to force that trade to be yeah. going down sooner than later. But uh, I don't know, the the Flames, are they in a rush to unload these guys? Or are they still going to dismantle the whole thing? Your job is to do what's best for the team, and prices are higher at the deadline. If you can True. keep Tanev healthy, it's a big asterisk with this one. Normally it's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, we'll do it at the deadline. There is the concern about injury with Tanev the way he plays, but... I think you get a, a heck of a bidding war. I don't know which of 16 theoretical playoff teams couldn't use a Chris Tanev. So uh, good work on the tooth. It somehow led us eh. into Chris Tanev scoring the period after leaving, after blocking a shot with his face. He had some fun quotes about it after the event. I think I saw that too. And I was at the game where he came back and he scored a nice one as well. And I don't think <laughs> he, job. he doesn't bother. Yeah, a little That's bit a Tanev special. I was like, no, no, just hey, off the defender and in. They don't ask how, yeah. they ask how many. And uh, I don't know, man, something about that guy. And, and like you said, the toughness factor, I talk to guys that are scouts or GMs or running organizations. And I'm like, why don't you go get some guy yeah. that plays with some balls, that plays mm-hmm. with an edge and they go, Rosie, we can't find yeah. them. Yeah. And it just, my mind just went poof because it used to be a dime a dozen. Yeah. And now it's like these guys aren't even wanting or willing to do what it takes. And it's odd to me. From the late 60s to the late 70s, the NHL went from a six-team league to up to 16 with a rival league, the WHA, which got up to as many as 16 teams. There was one, six professional teams to 32 in an incredibly short amount of time. And so you didn't have to be skilled to be a pro hockey player, but you better be tough because Anyone could find tough guys and teams were tough and you might be skilled, but if you're soft, we probably don't have room for you. Have you seen how tough all the teams are around pro hockey right now? There used to be so many tough, and that's why all the great stories that people tell are from those eras. Yours was a different one, but it was maybe the heaviest, meanest fighting era in a way with largest men, but it's interesting. One of the teams, in fact, if we had to fly a flag, if we had to flop a flag here at the DOD uh, studios that you can get behind the way they play, the coach, the players, the fighting majors, the physicality, it's got to be the Philadelphia Flyers. This is a team department of discipline. 
they play the, the right way for Jay Rosell, I'm guessing. If you like old school hockey, you've always liked the Broad Street Bullies, the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think I said last week, I kind of thought that I was going to be the last heavy that the Philadelphia Flyers ever had. Once I was gone, it was because fighting was gone and because everyone got rid of their tough guy and fighting was on the decline. And I thought to myself, wow, it all started with Dave the Hammer Schultz. He was like one of the original heavies. And I thought, well, I might be the last one for that, you know, storied franchise. But again, this resurgence we're seeing, we got old school John Tortorella at the helm. Yeah. And we got one, we got two, three tough guys on there. And they're playing like it. Four fights this year. Hathaway, I believe, is three or four. Nick Sealer can scrap. And like their skill guys, they play the way you love it too. Like you think about a Konechny. Yes. Oh yeah, he's got a little bite to him. Like this is a, a Jay Rosehill style team. And they're not playing boring hockey. They're, they're a surprise team to be in a playoff spot. They swept a home and home with their state rivals, the Penguins. They're playing with physicality and they're getting into some interactions. Young Luke Hughes of the Devils, another one of those Metro teams asked to line up against Philly, thought there was an icing whistle on the way. There wasn't. Oh, oh man. Collision. And down in the heap goes Luke Hughes. And that will certainly... Get a response from the Devils. I think I was expecting the whistle for icing. It didn't come. And then a big collision. Hughes bent over is heading off to the Devils locker room. That doesn't look good. He looks like he's hurt. He's playing Philly and Garnet Hathaway. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And that's play to the whistle. Luke Hughes was waiting for a whistle that he didn't keep playing to and never arrived. Should the whistle have gone or not? Yes. Was it icing? So here's what it is. I, I'm not interested whether it's icing or not because officials make mistakes. What you have to have is when the first skater gets to the hash mark, the judgment call has to be decided upon by a linesman. So you should know at the hash mark whether that's getting called or not. And you watch the official. He kind of does the, the swimming arms. My hand's up. I know I'm washing it out. A hand up. Oh, uh, we're playing um, charades. Uh, is it a man climbing a ladder? Like the linesman's messed this up. Uh-huh. The job of the linesman, right or wrong, like miss the call, make it properly. At the hash marks, the players should have a whistle or not. And at that point, you know, I keep playing or I can ease up. Don't ease up without a whistle. So you can say that Hughes had no reason to be easing up there. The whistle didn't go. They're far past the hash marks. Icing or not, it's not even special to this incident at all. I see guys all the time not protecting themselves, not tensing up, not absorbing hits. Honestly, become a problem. I've been screaming it for years that these players, every time you see a hit, a suspension, a headshot, any of these different things... I always am looking at the guy who gets hit and I say, what the hell what were you expecting? Was he doing <laughs> yes. like what sport has he been playing for the last 20 years of his life where you put yourself in that ridiculous of a situation, whether it's a D man going back for the puck and just la di da light on your skates, not even like zero, zero emphasis on bearing down and getting ready for contact contact or else a guy going straight up the wall with his head might as well be up his ass because it's nowhere up looking up and keeping track of what's going on on the ice that he's playing on or a guy cutting to the middle dipsy doodling or trying to get a a bobbling puck or something going (laughs) like oh can't be touched here and then just the look on their face of bewilderment after they get put into the goddamn grandstands yeah I just never understand. Like, how have you gotten to this level playing that way with that attitude towards the game? The National Hockey League, it's big, it's strong, it's tough, it's fast. Maybe not as much as it used to be. These players just act like they've never even played full contact hockey, and it blows my mind. Okay, so you and Torts are on the same page. He had this to say, head coach of the Flyers, following the game with the Devils that had a bunch of other incidents as well that we'll get to. I'm glad the kid, Luke Hughes, isn't hurt. A real good player, young man in this league, but that's a problem in our league right now. Our players in this league do not put enough emphasis on making sure you're protecting yourself from hits like that, making sure you absorb hits like that. We've kind of tried to turn this league into a no-hit league. Now people aren't ready to be hit. I think it's a lost art in how you take hits. I do think, looking at the clip, I think he thinks it's icing. A mistake was made. We've got good refs. We've got good linesmen. A mistake was made last night. And what bothers me is we had to suffer for that mistake. Losing a player. Hathaway got kicked out of the game for the play. But I believe the league 
It's a no-go. There's nothing wrong with the play. It shouldn't even have been a penalty. It screams to the athletes in our game. Be prepared to be hit because big hits are allowed. Nowadays, I'm not so sure because everyone puts their arms up when there's a big hit. It makes me sick what goes on in this league here on big hits. That's part of the game. And that's not my best torts impression, but that's a word for word what he said post game. And it's exactly what you're talking about, which is why isn't a player ready for contact there amongst numerous other spots? And why is it when a clean, heavy hit is delivered, people throw their hands up like, Whoa, that's not fair. Can't do that. <laughs> like, why, why, would, why would I get it? Well, you had the puck in your fair game. Or how about some guy gets buried, he's laying on the ice, whistle goes, of course the guy's got a fight or whatever is going on, and the announcers go, all right, let's go back here and we'll, we'll look at a, four different angles of this yeah. and we'll see if any bit of his head got caught during this thing. Like, you don't have the luxury of that when you're playing in the NHL. Some guy's coming up to you, he's just taking the puck, you want to get possession back, full contact, he comes up, you go to brace yourself with your elbow tucked in you don't leave your feet you don't charge them from a million miles away you glide in and go to make a body contact yes you're both going opposite directions it's going to be heavy hence prepare yourself for it and this guy just leads with his head down leads with his head how are you supposed to make body contact with that player if he leads with his head and puts himself in a ridiculous position and what's happening in the last five six seven eight nine years is these guys are getting suspended for those hits. And so in a roundabout way, what are you doing? You're rewarding that player for putting his head down, having no on-ice awareness, not protecting himself whatsoever, and you're saying you are allowed to go up the ice like this with your head up your ass, cross the middle, cross the slot, right up the boards, wherever you, it happens, you put yourself in vulnerable positions, and you blow the whistle, you kick the guy out, you give him a suspension. Maybe there's a fight. You get a big old power play. Everyone pats you on the back saying, you're right there, big guy, yeah, did I do good? Oh, I feel good now. I'm ready for the power play. And you go out there and try to get your cookies on the power play. You're rewarding that type of behavior. And if you go back to minor hockey or junior Yes, they're trying to take these headshots out of the game. I understand it. But if you're not going to make it non-contact, then the way to protect players from getting concussions is teaching them how to protect themselves in a full contact sport. Not still allowing it to be full contact, but suspending the shit out of guys for not making contact the right way. Because if you look at it from this angle, you can tell that a little bit of his chin actually go, Who the, how are you supposed to hit a guy that's shorter than you who's leading with his head? Is he ineligible to be hit now? It's a gray zone. It's a no-go zone. Nobody understands. There is no answer to it unless you address the person that's not protecting himself. Okay, so let's go look at some classics from the last year because I think you're on to something. And it's not just like, oh, there's a fresh-faced 18-year-old. This is regular NHLers, good players. The first one we got here is Philip Ronick. Now, this is before his trade to Vancouver. Jay, if you were playing against Ryan Reeves, would you know when he was on the ice? Dude, I remember when Nicholas Cronwall was on the ice because guys would say, watch out and know when Cronwall's on the ice. If you try to go down that right side, he's a left-hand defenseman. He will kill you. He killed a million guys and you had to pay attention. Obviously, this wrong didn't have a clue who he's playing against. And if you look at Reeves in the full clip, he barely even takes a stride. He didn't run that guy from the other side of the goddamn place. Ronick just came in like, just complete, like, right through the middle, like, you got to tense up. You got to be aware of what's going on out there. You got to, when's the last time you heard this phrase? Pick your head up. Haven't heard that in about a decade and a half. So first off, he should be aware that Reeves is on the ice and he's carrying the puck through the neutral zone. Second of all, he sees him coming. But to your point, because of the way the game's been played for the last little while, he is like, oh, I'm on the trolley tracks. Probably won't get hit. And it's like, why? <laughs> excuse me? Ryan Reeves is licking his chops. It's a fair hit. It's delivered safely. It doesn't break any rules. And you saw him coming. He he makes eye contact and doesn't even try to move. He's just like, I can't be bewildered that he's going to get hit while he's carrying the puck. That's what it seems like they're thinking. They get hit and they're like, what the hell was that? You can't hit me there. My head was down. You can't hit me there. And that lies the problem. And that's Reeves, Jade. If there's a power rankings of like, just be aware. It's only going to be like eight to 11 minutes. No one is on the ice. That's him that, that Ronick gets caught by. Like, how do you let that happen? And if you're aware that he's on the ice and paying attention, I mean, if Reeves is one guy coming straight down you, who do you think's got more skill to 
walk the other guy or to keep possession of the puck around some kind of a, you know, a jostling for the puck at the blue line. I imagine you could probably walk Reeves a lot easier than the alternative and you could have an odd man rush. Just pay attention to what's going on out there. Clearly he's not. Okay. So let's look at a couple others. Uh, Shen on Slavkovsky is one you'd highlighted from last year as well. Here's one of a guy who takes the puck in the neutral zone. Everyone's looking at you. Everyone knows you have the puck. You go from the neutral zone behind the net then you try to make some weird bank pass and then look behind you. This is admiring your pass 101, which is a great way to get drilled. You're in someone else's end behind their net trying to score. There's two NHL defensemen out there. One of them happens to be Luke Shen, who might make the record for the most hits in an entire NHL career. And you decide to go like it was like a cute bank pass off the back of the net that you're going to watch and see if you're going to make the highlight reel. Quaboom! Like, Jesus, you're wheeling the net. You've had the puck since the neutral zone. You go all the way down and wheel the net. It doesn't even cross your mind that someone's going to hit you. Imagine in, in Scott Stevens era to, to rip around the net and not be almost expecting a shoulder waiting on the other side. Like those guys still got killed by Scott Stevens. Yeah. One of the guys that got killed was Eric Lindros, one of the meanest, biggest hitting, nastiest, biggest, toughest guys out there. He was like slated as the next one because he was so goddamn tough to go with all his skill. And even he gets killed like that. No one's running around now like Scott Stevens. No, Some close. of these hits look like Scott Stevens hits. Only because it's a standard body check where a guy is in absolute la-la land out there. Sometimes these big hits look so much worse than they would have been. And I think that's what Torts was talking about with the Hughes hit. It's going, that it shouldn't even have been a penalty. It shouldn't even no. have been an issue. Because if the guy's paying attention and protects himself and gets into the battle, it's just two guys kind of coming together, jostling for the puck. But when one guy's acting like a child who's never skated before and he goes absolutely flying... It makes the one guy look pretty bad. And then everyone goes, ooh, and all the bench goes, hey, what the hell was that? The crowd goes nuts and the, the ref's just hand goes up and goes, well, I guess you can't do that. And it's like, well, why not? There's so many penalties that aren't penalties if a guy would just engage properly. And again, the problem is they get rewarded for putting themselves in shitty positions. Yeah, it's a total not expecting it. And then B, the natural reaction. If someone gets drilled, the ref's like, did I miss something that was heavy? I'll just be safe and call one on Hathaway here. (laughs) Okay, one more for you uh, that you had found. Romanov on Miles Wood from last season. Romanov, big heavy-hitting defenseman, Habs player that ended up going to the island. And uh, Wood, crafty little speeds, bang. So I see a one-on-four with a player entering the offensive zone, someone else's defensive zone. It's a one-on-four, and you decide to bury your head and cut towards the middle. I don't understand. You're all by yourself. Cut towards the middle now into the crowd with your head down. How is that possible? Where have you been playing that you're getting away with that to the point where it's such a habit that you get to the NHL and are just baffled by someone laying a body check in that position? I can't wrap my mind around. I watch minor hockey. I still notice that when kids get to the the level of, of body checking, they get real excited about laying that big hit. And everyone's kind of like, paying attention, trying not to be that guy that gets crushed. Yep, heading to swivel. Maybe that's just in central Alberta that they do that and over where these guys are from, they don't do it. But Hitting's everywhere, but it's baffling to see how nonchalant guys are in areas. You're like, look out, you're going to get drilled. I can't imagine. I played the game to a fault where I was so ready for physical contact that I barely was able to hold on to the puck. So that's on me. But I could never imagine cutting to the middle or going behind the net and just being so loosey-goosey and free as if being strong on your skates or being ready to absorb a hit against the glass was just the last thing on your mind. I don't know where that comes from. I think it's a problem. So far, we have tried to penalize and suspend the player hitting that vulnerable player what happens is you're seeing players are like oh i'm vulnerable i'm not going to get hit now it's like that's not what you want you want guys to your point preparing for contact so they don't get hit. and then it's not even an issue it's not even a play you'd go back and revisit because it's just two guys kind of you know bumping up against each other standing each other up sucking against the glass and absorbing a hit it's a non-issue but it turns into this huge issue because of the mindset of some of these players that aren't willing to accept that it's still hit hard hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We talked about Philly and how tough they are. A team that is up there and has been for a couple of years, the way they play, the way they engage you. And I know they lost Radko Gudis, who's a total J. Rosehill special, like ball of muck to play against. Tough, mean hits. Keep your head up if he's on the ice. The Florida Panthers have had quite a little run here. <laughs> we, we saw an incredible game a couple of weeks ago with them and the Senators. That is now, for me, one of the better rivalries in the NHL. And if it's a blank slate, it's like you could pick any rivalries to watch. You're always going to love the original six matchups. Battle of Florida has been great for five years or so since Florida became competitive. Tampa's been great. And those teams are both tough. Like you look at, obviously, with Tampa Bay, they go get Tanner Janot. They also have a few other guys uh, that aren't wilting violets that, that can throw them. We know that Florida has got some toughness. Kachuk's going to draw you into the fight. But that... Kachuk Bowl of Ottawa, Florida is a divisional rivalry and with one game is now right near the top of my power rankings for rivalries in the NHL. Not all-time rivalries and like historical rivalries, but if I have to book a game next week that I want to watch for pure entertainment value, I don't know that I don't just book Ottawa, Florida again. Yeah, and it's two teams with the right mindset. It's getting to be a couple of years ago now where Florida, what do they win the president's trophy and then get swept in the first round? And they're supposed to be like shoe ins for the finals. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of did quietly did an overhaul of their attitude. They added some pieces. I like their coaching. Both those teams down in Florida have got some coaching where guys just want to play for you, man. And that speaks volumes about those coaches, but it's this attitude that they all have. And there's not one guy that stands out as well. He's just the heavyweight who goes around and hits everyone and fights. No, yeah. it's a team attitude. Yes. And geez, is it ever tailor-made for the playoffs? Is it tailor-made for rivalries when you butt up against another team who's going to do the same thing? And it's like, what kind of fireworks are we going to see? We're already seeing it. And if you look at the teams that are successful in the playoffs compared to the teams that are successful in the regular season, it's two different types of hockey and it's two different types of hockey teams that are successful. And I'm sorry to say, but the guys that, pussyfoot around and try to stick to the perimeter and go between their legs don't seem to have a whole lot of success in the playoffs. Doesn't translate as well. And we saw a nice run with Florida. It also overlapped with 930 net funding. That doesn't hurt. But Ryan Lomberg is a bugger to play against. He's not huge, but he is full speed all night. We know Matthew Kachuk. He is a master of the dark arts, always accidentally falling on goalies, throwing hits. He'll scrap if necessary. He's got a couple this year. His brother. Well, we saw that in Ottawa. But then also it's like some of the, the little tweaks, like Sam Bennett came in for two second rounders a few years ago and Sam was number one in central scouting and was thought to be like, here's the next number one franchise center for whoever drafts him. He slides to four. I believe it was Ryan Hart and Dreisaitl and others ahead of him in the draft, but he's not a number one center, but you know what he is? Tough as nails. Like this guy, it feels like, what you may not have gotten in sort of star playmaking and scoring, 
you've actually received in spades and toughness, physicality, fighting, sticking up for teammates. He's a guy I love to see in the playoffs rather than the regular season, to your point earlier. And that's another Florida Panther. I think somehow, some way, if we could get Florida against Philly in the playoffs, uh, like you and I are like, there's only one series. I know it's the opening round. I'm only watching one series. Beautiful. It's Philly, Florida. I don't know. Sam Bennett, if you want to call him a bust or something like that. I'll, the only thing it says to me is that He's adjusted his game accordingly. Yeah. Things aren't going. Do you know how many guys are trying to be a number one center out there that are of draft age or junior age or college age? Everyone wants to be the number one center. Guess how many get to be? Yeah, by definition, you'd have 32 number one centers. And even there, I'm like, nah, like a third of the league is always looking for one, maybe more. So yeah, there's probably only 10 to 20 legit number one centers. Sam isn't one, but to your point found a role, finds a way. And he's very valuable. And I think his stock's only going to go up as he continues to play like that. I mean, the things he does out there, he's not the biggest body in the world, but he's certainly got enough skill. As you said, he was potentially a, you know, a number one center in a, in a draft or on someone's team. And it hasn't worked out that way. Circumstance, opportunity, whatever, just didn't develop, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't really matter. What he's done is recognized it and said, what can I do to be valuable to my team. What can I do to prolong my career? And he's got the balls. He's got the guts. He's got the energy, the physicality. He's not scared to go out there. And he takes the skill that he does have. And that's good enough to get you here. And then he adds on top of it, all the things we're talking about. He can run around and hit guys. He's fucking killed guys before. He can scrap if he needs to. He gets the mouth going. He gets involved. All that playoff type of hockey, he's showing he's capable of doing. And that just makes the GM salivate. His stock's going through the roof the more he plays like that. Yeah, he got his old man strength pretty quick. Like, remember, he couldn't do the chin-up at the combine, (laughs) and they found a little shoulder issue in there, and he ended up missing most of his rookie season. And it was like, how do you not be able to do a chin-up? And like, well, they are 17. Okay, an injury. It wasn't soon after that that you're like, this guy's sneaky tough. Like he's 2021 taking on guys almost 30 in fights and he's like dealing. Here's one with uh, Max Domi of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now Domi has the tough last name and Sam Bennett has the high skill draft stock. But when you watch this fight, it's a role reversal from what you might think. Sam Bennett, real upset that Domi took that pop at him and he makes him pay there. Yeah, you knew that was going to happen. And a lot of bad blood after Domi took that double minor penalty. And you know, it was in the mind of Sam Bennett. Yeah, I don't think he would have uh, guessed this to be the outcome of, of this altercation, you know, eight years ago. And, and to be fair, it's it's Domi's dad is what really is the rep. Like Max isn't afraid, but Max is not a great fighter per se. And I think I expected too much out of Max coming to the Leafs. I remember think looking back to him and was it Ryan Kessler having a scrap and he's just got this heavy hand and he dropped a couple of guys in his rookie year. You think he's only going to get tougher and more confident there. He got the jump on Bennett there. He's the one that like started it and somehow he ends up with his head between his legs and one of his gloves still on. I just like, how did that happen? You know what Bennett looks like? He looks like the chief of the old fire hall, huge mustache, <laughs> wicked strong, looks God. a little older than, but he's like, no, 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 son. I could go like rip down a tree branch with my bare hands. Like that is some serious fire chief, old man strength right there. And, and you know what? That's a great example of is a guy that is just unloading punches. The best defense is a good offense. Yeah. Did you see Domi throwing any punches Sam's way there? You can't do anything but go straight on the defense. And when you've got someone on the defense, you're in complete control. And that's exactly what Sam did in that scrap. Took the reins of that thing. Didn't even give Domi a chance. It was kind of disappointing considering it wasn't like he got the jump on Domi or like jumped him or anything. It was kind of Domi initiating, you know, that altercation. So Hats off to him for that. Domi kind of embarrasses himself after a little, like... Not the way you want it to go when you initiate. Out East, we got some good stuff going on. The Ottawa, Florida was a while ago, but I just think, isn't it great that two brothers can be in the league and be so competitive that it doesn't fucking matter it's my brother. That asshole's wearing the other color jersey, and I famously Wayne Primo and his brother Keith fought. 
Yes. And that's next level. And I know the Kachucks have been asked about it. They said, no, no, mom's going to get mad. And of course, in Ottawa, grandma was there. Grandma was not having it. She was she not was hiding it either. Pissed. I love it. I thought of my dad's mom, my Nana Pinder. I've seen those googly eyes behind the glasses and that like, you boys, I've seen that look before. I thought of my grandma, just awesome. And to be that competitive, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about the, the kind of traits that are so hard to find, but are so immensely powerful when you get to playoffs. And as tough as both those teams are, and they have the depth and the character and the intensity, if it's not for those two guys on those two teams, that doesn't happen. No, until Matthew Kachuk arrives in Florida, like Ottawa, Florida is a game, but it's not like appointment viewing. That is now like Matthew's literally saying to Brady, this guy's dead. This guy's dead. He's chirping him like, oh yeah, like blah, blah, blah. Like, the ringleaders of that whole deal. Both of them. Yeah. yeah. And Brady's like the perfect power forward. Maybe the best power forward in hockey today. Le- leadership qualities, toughness, skill. Captain, every, fight, oh, 40 goals. Net I, I love that. Yes. Guy. And Matthew's the greatest pest in the game. I think he's taken the crown from Marchand, who's mm-hmm. now a captain and, you know. Older. Yes. A little more stoic than he used to be. Got and I'm not cups. saying. Yeah. But like Matthew is the number one champion shit disturber and Brady is the perfect power for it. And they're divisional rivals. Matthew could have gone anywhere. You know, you could realign the league and a team in Ontario might not be a divisional rival with one in Florida. It's just the way it happened to play out that we get to see four or five times a year. That's amazing. Well, I remember playing junior. I was trying to make the team, the Olds Grizzlies, junior A team and Olds. My brother was already on the team. I was known as a pretty feisty, (laughs) pretty high hidden player. And um, it was right at center. It was the black and gold game. So it was like the last, last game the of last tryouts. cuts kind yeah. of thing. And I was kind of getting off the ice and got a little chop on the back of my legs, right? From the older brother. He probably just wanted it to be left with that. I gave him a chop back. Eh, F you, now we're even. He goes, no, no, no. I'm the big brother here. I'm the veteran. I've been <laughs> on this team. He stops and hammers me back and is like, get off the ice. And I'm standing there. And now we're both standing flat footed on the ice, staring at <laughs> each other. So I put one about waist high across a him. Getting higher. <laughs> we start lumberjacking each other, but we've never gone to the point where we fight, but our like our bickering matches and FU matches growing up were like legendary with our friends and whatnot. So everyone's like, what are these is two this going to do? Is this happening? So it ended up being a lumberjack show at center ice and everyone's going, what is going on? It doesn't end up dropping our gloves or anything, but get home from that game. <laughs> Old man, Rosehill, <laughs> get in here. <laughs> so we go sit in the room. I remember sitting on the bed and he goes, I don't ever want to see you two going out like that. If you're going to play that way, you do it together. You back each other up. You watch out for each other's backs. I was so fucking embarrassed to watch my boys go after each other like that. And we were just like, Dong! so I was like, yeesh. But uh, we ended up playing together for a couple of years. And there's a picture of us coming off the ice with our gloves shed, the nets upside down, gloves and things are everywhere. And these Calgary boys are just looking like this. It's a pretty wicked picture. So we took dad's advice to heart, but I'll never forget that little sit down. He says, I don't ever want to see that shit again. So a tough spot to be in for the Tuchuk family watching that go down. Yeah, the good news for you guys is uh, that inner squad game is the last before cuts. You get to make the team, and then it's all good. But I could see the spot you're in. Like, I'm trying to make this team. Brother's already on the team. And, and then I could just see, like, half the rink is like, oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> Remember when you asked, what if, what if? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> they're gonna, they're it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, Code red. Too funny, man. Bringing it back to the olden days. Too fun. Okay, uh, best rivalries in the NHL today. I I feel like uh, being where we are, Battle of Alberta two years ago was as good as it gets. They played in the playoffs. It hadn't happened since the 90s. You had the Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm line against McDavid and Dreisaitl. Mike Smith was back and forth. He got to play heel. Lucic. That's dead now. Yeah, Lucic for sure. There was, uh, it's gone. It's uh, No, I mean, it's still a great rivalry, but today it's not hot. Today, rivalries that are hot. We talked about uh, Florida, Ottawa. I love that one. Philly, Pittsburgh's always, it's kind of got that battle of Alberta thing. It's a state one. What was it like when you were there? Yeah, it was a thing. I'll, you know, the few years, maybe two years before I got there, they had that war in the, I think it was the first round of the playoffs. And it was just like, you know how you watch the first round and you always got to tune in for opening night because there's, yeah, there's a bunch of series going on, but everyone just goes shot out of a cannon. Floodgates. Yes. And yeah. it is just incredible. And that, that Philly. 
Pittsburgh rivalry. Both had stars, both had toughness, both had history, both were kind of at the top of their games and it was just wild. And that carried on to when I was there and you definitely paid attention when they were in town and vice versa. When you were going to Pittsburgh, you were like, we don't want to lose this because it is a big deal. Even to us, Goddard was there. I took a run at, at Sid and he juked me and uh, I fell down and Goddard came after me right away. They had Mike Rupp there who I had gone a couple of times. No lack of intensity in those ones. And sometimes it's like put on. Like when I was in Toronto, they'd be like, we play the Senators. And there wasn't really, it was, it was forced, you know? It was the fans, not the players. And the media. It was like, just because you have proximity to this team geographically, you must really hate each other. And I'm just like, not really. I don't get any more excited to play the Ottawa Senators than I do anyone else really. So sometimes it's forced and people just assume it's going to be there. And then sometimes it's real. And I think when you're watching the game and you know the history, you can tell which one's which. Yeah. And what's best is when, because the fans will always hate the rival. That's yeah, that's sure. how it works. So you know that in the stands, Sens Leafs, Habs, Bruins, Flames Oilers, Kings Ducks, Bolts, Panthers, like you can go out. There's great rivalries around this, even Columbus, Detroit at times. But when the players actually, you can feel that hatred as well as the fans. Now we got peak rivalry. And I think we're kind of there with Battle of Florida. I don't know if you remember, they played an exhibition game a couple uh, falls ago before the season started. I think Tampa had won a cup. Florida was coming off that president's trophy and they they flamed out. I think they got swept in the second round by Tampa or it was a first round exit. I'm trying to remember what it was. Either way, it was an ugly, disappointing end to what was a promising season for the Panthers. And of course, it had to be their rivals, the Lightning, that that win the Cup, that put them out. And there was an exhibition game, neutral site, Orlando. Fights all over. <laughs> and you're like, this is unbelievable. Like, this rivalry, I was saying two years ago, that's the best in the NHL. And uh, Not because the fans didn't like each other, because that's always the case. Just like everywhere, there's a team, you uh, shake your fist at those colors. When there's hatred with the players, there's no hiding it. And the environment for hockey, the play you get to watch is second to none. I'm trying to find it right now in the NHL. I put forth the Florida-Ottawa thing. It's new. We need to see another one of those episodes. Their divisional rivals will get it. Don't worry. Philly-Pittsburgh's always good. I wonder if we'll see some Vancouver-Seattle at some point. Fans will travel. But again, the hatred has to be on the ice too, not just in the stands. Yeah, and you got to have history too. You know, with with Seattle being so new, they haven't had the time to have – you know, say trades back and forth or you know what it is? disgusting losses. Knock out the higher seed. There you go. Like exactly. last year, Seattle upset Colorado. Let's say somehow, some way, it's Vancouver that's expected to just roll through the Kraken and they lose. Now we got some hatred. And they could ruin the, the Vancouver season this sure. year in just that way. You go back to, I remember, I was just finished with the, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were playing the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. It was 2013. I'll never forget it. I was in the hospital delivering my firstborn son. My, well, my wife was doing most of the work. I was, say, I like was stressed out too, okay. though. Don't worry. <laughs> and, uh, and they blew that lead to them. And it was just like unconscionable that, that that happened. And that stands out in Leafs fans memory like forever. And, you know, you saw it the other night with Marshawn. He breaks the leg of one of our defensemen and they want to get him back. And then he's the one that scores the overtime goal. Like, don't think that, it can't go back a decade of, especially for the fans, but even for the players, they know. Oh like, yeah, Marshan's been there forever, yeah. ruining dreams for Leafs fans. Those guys yeah. do not like each other, and as much as you try to force the the Montreal, which goes back a hundred years, it's always going to be there. But the the Ottawa rivalry that doesn't really, no reason to really have it exist. That Boston Toronto rivalry, yes. it's real. Another couple sneaky ones, just off the top of my head, Vegas and L.A., and it really got hot a few years ago. The quick trade happened and they've not really run into each other a bunch since, but they're on a collision course in the Pacific this year. LA looks phenomenal. They have tightened up defensively. They're getting all kinds of offense down the middle. You go Kopitar, Deno, Dubois, Byfield's come into his own great blue line and Cam Talbotson rock solid. And Vegas, they, I mean, talk about the start of the year. They did not lose a beat after winning the Stanley cup. Those two teams feel like a really high probability of uh, a clash in the playoffs. Now, not going to write off Vancouver. I still not writing off Edmonton with all the talent they have, but that one was a really good series that went back and forth as well on the year that I think Vegas went all the way to the cup final. That's a sneaky good rivalry as well. Very much. And you look at that Vegas team, it, it's almost like, 
it shouldn't be the anomaly that a Stanley Cup win- winning team comes out the next year and does well, but it, it almost is. It's almost like yeah. that Stanley Cup hangover is always there. Like, well, dude, think about the offseason. Takes like, so much out of you. Think about LA, for example. They're a playoff team. They lose to Edmonton in round one, and it's like tough. For six, seven weeks, they're watching Vegas play every night, and you're okay. I'm taking my break. We'll have a last get together, this whole group, before we disband and come back as a different team next year. Now I'm into my offseason training. We're healing up some injuries. Anyone need to get surgeries, get those done. Okay, we're going to be back on the ice at this point. Vegas still might be partying with the cup when you're already back on the ice. So I don't think it's like a mental thing so much as the physical toll to get to the final, win or lose. Like if you look at finalists, there's a lot of teams that get all the way there and they have sluggish starts. Not necessarily the case with Florida this year, but it's just the physicality, the short offseason. It's tough to recover, I think. I suppose, but like with these guys this young in their prime, I mean, you're that good of a team where you're either winning the Stanley Cup or the last team standing behind the one that does win it. You've got half of June, all of July, all of August, lots of September. Not much June. You can go right to the end of June. We've seen that. How many guys at the beginning of training camp are like, I'm injured because I didn't get to rehab. Only two months of rehab. Like, come on. Montour just got back. And I think Ekblad, similar story. Like, you played a lot of hockey wounds if i'm correct uh, and i'm not saying that doesn't happen to all the teams everyone runs in injuries but you're a good team when you win the cup we get <laughs> yes. it you should still be good in the fall you should still be good in the fall it's a fucking tight turn compared to the guy you think about missing versus playing like you're talking two to three months of difference it's a good chunk i do get that and i haven't gone i've gone that far in the american the hockey league yeah, okay. calder so cup calder finals cup. we lost to uh you were norfolk at the time i'm guessing or no we were i was marley's so a year that i played all the year with toronto uh our season was over i think we finished in montreal and i got told getting onto the plane that I was on the clear day roster to play yes. on the Marlies and boy, yeah. was I pissed off, <laughs> but got down there. Dallas Eakins is running the show. This team is running the table with teams. Like it's a joke. How good they are. They score at will very well coached tons of character. I was like, this is pretty neat. Go down there, make a run right to the finals. And we ran into John Cooper's team in Norfolk who set a record for the most consecutive professional wins in professional hockey history. And I was like, okay, well, we're pretty good too. Like, who are these dickheads? And they (laughs) mopped the floor with us. I believe we got swept in the finals. It was like playing shorthanded the whole time. Mm. It was like an American league team against an NHL team. That team in in Norfolk could have beat more than a handful of NHL teams. I am convinced of it. And that was the beginning of John Cooper's. Marsha show was there, I'm guessing, or no? (sighs) Oh, trying no. to remember they had like uh Johnson and Tyler they Johnson, had okay. like Richard Panic and they had Tukarski and that and uh, all these guys that um they were good NHLers after. they came up with with him but I I think the big thing there was John Cooper man yeah. that that man can get a group of young men to follow him and to buy into whatever he's preaching he does it well time and time again and has only proved that again in the NHL but I guess I have gone deep enough in that postseason but. My point is, is that I'm not surprised that Vegas is coming out and showing that they've still got it this year. They've got some big defensemen on the back end. They know how to play playoff style hockey. And it's no surprise to me that they're, they're button heads with the LA Kings with the success they're having. And like you say, fingers crossed for a, a wicked divisional rivalry in the playoffs for those guys. Okay, a couple more items really quickly. Brennan Smith gets two games for slashing. Now remember, <laughs> Truba slashed the guy in the head. Kind of accidentally, not on purpose, on purpose. But this is quite different. It's <laughs> it's a whack on the way to the bench. He's not happy about it. And oh. that is, a, you want to talk about a lumberjacking competition. That better not have been you and your brother, Jay. Holy. <laughs> I wasn't too far away. Right on the elbow, Pat. I don't know. I think it looks worse than it is. And there's absolutely no talk of Konechny provoking the shit out of this. It's not part of the hockey play. It is during a line change. Has the whistle? No, I guess it's a dumped puck there. Goes out of his way to give him a cross check on the back, straight from behind. A hard one. Brunson don't like that. You don't expect anything. So I, I don't mind. It's only- a good kidney shot. There. Sure That's a is. well-placed crotch check from connect. And he comes down and hammers one on the arm. Yeah. You're going to have a monkey bump there. It's going to be bruised tomorrow, but these big elbow pads, I didn't think it was as bad as people made it. You might have to suspend them just because uh, you don't want to get the stick play going on. But I'm surprised Konechny got absolutely not even a mention of how he started all that. What's beautiful is I believe that's the same game as the Luke Hughes Hathaway yes. and the Torts comments like, Man, if we had time machines, there's a few of these Philly games we wanted to see. There's been some heaters. Because there wasn't it the Thanksgiving Friday 
Was the Rangers one we talked about last week? Anyway, like we got to get the Philly bottom line. Got to start paying attention to who's who and when they play, and making yes. sure I watch those games. We're gonna highlight the uh, Sense Panthers. We got to get to Philly. We, when this Department of Discipline podcast blows up, we're going to Philly. I haven't been to Philly, Jay. Oh, t- you used I'll, to run Philly. Dom, that, the big uh, Eagles guy, runs Philly. But <laughs> I'll show you your way around. We'll catch our. Uh, <laughs> we'll catch a couple of games around. We don't have to leave the parking lot to hit a. An Eagles game, Flyers game. It's all it's, there. Uh, it's a beautiful town. Last, we uh, finished with the fight of the week. What does it look like? Who is it? Well, it's a Panther, and it's a guy that was in a bit of a scoring funk. Josh Anderson finally broke his goose egg into an empty net the other night. And Jonah Gadjevich, uh, another Panther that's got a little edge to it. And here is a fight at the line. Anderson, a frustrated man. He's going to try get the rights going, and he will. And Gadjevich... Big right hands loose for Anderson. Gadjevich hanging on. Anderson's got the right cooking. Another right from Josh Anderson. Gadjevich trying to respond with a right. Anderson gets the rights going again. Gadjevich trying to respond. Couple big bodies going at it. Late stages of this game. Anderson literally showing some fight. Left is loose as he gets the left hand going, does Anderson. Gadjevich the right. Josh Anderson, six foot three, nearly 230 pounds. And Gadjevich, not a small guy, 6'2, 210. was a battle of Ontario right there. Definitely does, man. I like the way this guy scraps. He's He's been in a couple, but you go back a couple of years and, and look, he's willing. And with Josh Anderson, he is not having the season he's used to. He's frustrated as hell. 27 games between goals. That's that's what the drought was. That's a lot. That's a and, lot and for it, a guy the like him. started after an empty netter and ended with an empty netter. So real goals, it's even longer. It's even further. And you know a guy like that's not happy. And I just yeah. love it when a guy is doing everything he can to try to help the team. The puck's not going in the net. He's got to be frustrated. Screw it. What else can I do? And at the very end, when you're tired, the automatic reaction is to hold on. He lets go with his... Hand that he's holding on to his right and throws lefts at the very end when he's tired. I love it. Both those guys can chuck him. Love how they show up. Love how Anderson's doing whatever he can during a, a bit of a scoring slump. Lefts caught him. Mm. Anderson be a sneaky little lad. Bring that guy to play in the third or fourth line of playoffs. Lots of teams could use lots of these guys that we've been talking about. we got three months. we got, we got to pump the brakes in the trade talk. we got to calm down. Stay calm. Stay calm. We'll see you again for the holidays. Yes. Thanks for doing this. Good to see you in studio again. And uh, that was a fun one today. We got to go down memory lane a little. We yeah. saw your uh, party trick tooth and uh, heard about some great rivalries. I wasn't slurring as bad as I thought. It's pretty good when you think about it. Not bad. See you next week. I'm going down to the garden with a couple of my buds. I'm going to sit up in the cheap seats. I want to see a little blood. I want to get my money's worth. Some dogs, drink some beers. When he allowed night at the referee, go on, you bum, get out of here. Wanna see a hockey fight? Little Donny Brook, little Brew, ha ha. If our team should score tonight, we all can yell, hurrah, hurrah. I didn't come to see Gretzky, I didn't come to see Lemieux, any of those other pretty boys, and all that fancy stuff to do. I came to see the Hanson brothers. Take on Dave the Hammer Schultz, drop their gloves, do the tango, and beat each other to a bloody pole. Wanna see a hockey fight, little Donnie Brook, a little brew, ha ha. If our team should score tonight, we all can yell, hurrah, hurrah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.